Hey y'all, this is a preview to the latest premium subscriber only episode to Champagne Sharks. So what you're hearing is a small clip of a longer episode that is available over on patreon.com forward slash Champagne Sharks. And it's available to premium subscribers who pay $5 a month. And if you want to hear the rest of the episode, go over to patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks and subscribe for only $5 a month. You get not only access to this episode in its entirety, but to the whole backlog of premium episodes, which at this point is over 100 episodes at this point. So it's a great deal. So without further ado, here is the preview, and I hope we see you on the other side at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks, where you can hear the rest. When social media first started, I remember when people were early adopters to Twitter, the oversharing was, was considered weird. People would be yeah. like, what are you doing on Twitter? You just talking about you eat all day? Like, what are you doing? Now, if you're not on any social media and oversharing, you're considered like a weirdo. But um, Joel, tell us about that... Um, incel podcast i thought it was pretty good you told me about it today and i started listening to it yeah today. too late i should have told you about it a while ago it's one of those things where um i was literally just looking for keyword incel on my pocket cast app and um this this podcast came up by this uh, woman named nama kate it's very good it's interesting insofar as like uh what she's done is she's basically gone on a bunch of incel forums check this out and uh, to say that she's sort of taken the black pill is one thing because uh, you know, to say that is that she's basically like, you know, swallowed the incel narrative, and she has. But in a way that she explains her reasoning, she explains her working out throughout the, the episodes, she's more skeptical of the incels at the start than toward the finish, which is fascinating. She starts off getting more offended uh, by these sort of, you know, misogynistic rants and stuff like that. And toward the end, she starts seeing them for what they are, which is more of this sort of like, you know, sad outbursts from someone who's, basically just a lost soul but uh she makes these friendships she forms bonds with people who are quite pivotal in these sort of uh you know forums and subcultures and gets a real like understanding of instead of having these people on and berating them and yelling at them telling them to get a haircut she listens to them and she lets them speak which has as you can imagine had a kickback from the usual suspects on the progressive side who say she's anti-feminist, giving them a platform, terrible person, blah, blah, blah. But these people exist. They're miserable. They exist. And I think hearing them out, whether they're right or wrong, is not a cardinal sin. It's something that should be entertained because these people have a story to tell. And often when you listen to the stories that she, uh, you know, sort of brings to light, one of them is a regular, actually a couple of are regular drug users. There's always bullying, trauma, sadness, and these are the sort of things that don't get really portrayed in any of these sort of like snarky BuzzFeed-style pop culture articles that explain how incels are just these misogynistic assholes in 90 seconds and have a bit of a laugh at their expense. It really listens to their stories, and they're really fucking sad. And she's and very understanding. And, and she and she's uh, interesting because you go on her Twitter, Ken, right? She's not like Miss Cheerleader of incels, where she's like, you know, uh, go incels and, you know, whatever. Yeah, fuck buying women. Yeah, fuck women. Like, she's not one of those red pill women or women in the manosphere type. Yes, like, you know, exactly. Those are honey, honey badger type of women. We could tell, yes. like, you don't know if they well believe said. it or not, but they're just pandering to um, these guys to the point they actually become anti-women themselves. She's not like that. Yeah. She's just she's just kind of like sympathetic and um, 
nice to them. And yeah. but that alone, I think, is way more than you're supposed to be to these people. So I, I imagine she say, must get a, a lot of. Thing? I don't know if that's a good thing. She gets well, huge amounts of shit. She, she gets huge amounts of shit for it. I mean, I haven't listened to the whole podcast, so I don't know. I can't give full context, but she tries to be. It seems like she tries to be like objective or she fair. Is. Quite good at it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but what's interesting about her, I find interesting, like, I Googled her picture. I'm not sure what she does if she's, like, actress or whatever. She has a lot of glamour shots online. And she's, like, a pretty traditionally attractive uh, woman in the vein of, to me, what a lot of these incels would call, like, a Stacy. She has blonde hair. She's got, like, a typical, like, hourglass body. She has these shots where she's, like, you know, in her underwear or doing all this stuff. And it kind of makes you surprised that she, of all people, was able to break through because I would think they would kind of be most resistant to her. Like, like what are your thoughts on that? Like, I, like I feel like uh, the blonde, conventionally attractive uh white woman would be like yeah well i think she's actually got a unique insight into this because she's probably experienced the halo effect for her entire life and as someone who's in that spot where she's felt that privilege of being able to pick and choose her partners to be in that position of power to then go and listen to these um, you know, these individuals from the other side of the fence but coming from totally that position. Opposite. Yeah, yeah it, it gives you a bit more of a, um, some sort, I think it gives you an ability to insight into this sort of thing from a healthy position. And she sits there and she sees these guys yearning for this sort of thing that she's had. And she and, and knows probably, what she's probably taking for granted. Yeah. And probably taking for granted, you know. Maybe at times. To a, to a, and maybe to, to this a degree, is a wake-up yeah. call for her as well. That she's realized that she's had this her entire life and she's never really noticed it until she saw the other side of people who not only don't have it, but have what you could say is being more of a deficit of this kind of privilege. You know, the looks privilege is something that people really don't like to talk about. And progressive circles tend to really like to... Um, dismiss things that they may very well be a part of. So if you're a part of a certain culture, you try and put that at the very bottom of the identity politics ladder so it's not something that impinges on your ability to be in the cool kids club of the marginalised. And attractiveness is one of those things that people just really don't want to be a part of the ID poll ladder. And it's a huge part of that ladder because when you're on the bottom of it, you are reminded of that whether you be male or female, and the female side is harrowingly bad, you're reminded of it every single day of your life. You're reminded that you are not a part of the Cool Kids Club, and you never probably will be. Yeah, and one that's interesting, like talking about that whole replication of this type of energy and dynamics in so many places, uh, there was this thread on Twitter, we talked about in the podcast before, where a lot of these uh, divest from Blackistan or divest from the Black community type of uh, angry online women were all sharing stories about Black men being popular in high school and being able to get by because they were athletes or could rap or the Black stereotypes were working in their favor because like, oh, Black men have cool stereotypes, but, you know, as Black women, we were... These are Black women who went to predominantly white environments and stuff. And it was interesting, like, they kind of... It was women who kind of made themselves the virgins, these Black guys, like the Chads. But if you were to go to, like, Tommy Sotomayor, this guy's site, a couple years earlier, there were Black guys talking about, oh, you know... When you're a black guy, you know, in your 20s, like, what do you have? You just have a bunch of cottage debt. You you don't have a car. You're not white. You can't do anything. But, you know, black girls can just date white guys whenever they want. And, you know, a black girl can work out in the gym, look nice. And suddenly she can date whoever she wants. She can 
um, get government programs that black guys can't get and all this stuff. And it's just weird, like how people a lot of times this grass is greener on the other side thing that yeah. is all over the internet. And so then oh, it's yeah. like people will do it to each other. Like like uh, these red pill guys will think like minorities have it great. They have all this affirmative action and it's diversity time everywhere. And there's black superheroes and female superheroes. And you go to Tumblr and it's all about check your privilege. You white yeah. guys have everything. and. It's the grass is yeah. greener thing. It's just, it's a very strong aspect of this sort of like insult and loneliness community where, um, you know, these people would yearn to be in a marriage that makes another person miserable. And there's everything these days has that, like I say, you know, the fear of missing out and the uh, that idealization of situations that happen once a fortnight and the idea that that is a constant existence and all these kind of like, you know, sort of fetishization of moments when we can't just exist in our own. And it's hard because sometimes our own moments are dark and lonely and the idea of accepting them and being at peace with them can be really quite confronting. And the idea of finite life can really mess with people's heads. But I think when you're a conventionally attractive white woman who's middle class, I think in some ways it's got to be even weirder because that's almost seems to be the one type of person that almost everyone can agree has a pretty good, like, like, like yeah. maybe up there with like rich white guy, but like, you know, yeah, a co- conventionally, a conventionally pretty white woman is pretty much like everyone. You're going to sexually harass to work though. They'll, um, they'll, the guys yeah. will take credit for your work. They will grab your ass at work. If you're in the law field, especially because the law field, especially in Australia, at least uh, we have a lot of grads and few jobs. So when the partner grabs your ass and tells you you're uh, especially tired this morning, you smile and you nod, and that is disgusting. Um, and that's the kind of thing that even in that situation where you've got a really good position, you fear for very little because you've got a lot of safety net, people listen to you and people like you, there will always be that guy above you that will, you know, find some way to sort of exploit you. And it happens the same thing with male circles as well. In my sister's book, which is incredible, just a small plug, see what you maybe do, available in all good bookshops in Australia. Um, the She does a, a chapter on patriarchy. And the interesting thing about the patriarchy is that it's not necessarily just women feeling fearing violence from men and the way in which men dominate women, but it's also the way in which men fear violence from other men and also fear dominance of other men. And this is the never-ending patriarchal ladder structure of violence, dominance, status, and the way in that interacts with capitalism brings this giant melting pot where people can find their place and be happy with it. Those on the outskirts can feel like they've been resigned to nothing. Those who are fighting can get exhausted and get quite muddled and get a little bit weird and do some crazy shit. But within that, uh, you know, sort of patriarchal um, schema, women will be maligned and dominated by men and men will be maligned and dominated by other men in a place where capitalism forces hierarchy and creates structures which are winner takes all and has a conventional victory style uh, objective to things that really could be uh, dealt with in a creative way as opposed to a more winner loser structure which is covered in my father's book. Uh, wait, your father has a book too? Yeah, he wrote a book um, loosely based on the uh, winner loser world, uh, which is the way in which the world interacts in a way that continually judges people as being either winners or losers. 
and we find ourselves on either side of this uh, polarity when realistically, if we were to approach situations from a third way, which is more creative, we can find ourselves not being obsessed with the idea of winning and losing, but actually just creating outcomes, which can make everyone a winner. Or everyone something, in your, or everyone something in your family is very thematic with this yeah. stuff. I mean, a bit, because between your father's book, because basically this whole thing that your father talks about, it applies very directly to the incel thing, because incel just have broken down everything into winners yep. and losers. It's very all adversarial. These, all these communities on the internet with this type of incel energy have done that. They've all done the same thing. They've created um, rigid hierarchies. Like like the alt-right people and the 4chan yep. people believe in rigid hierarchy, the same as the Tumblr people do. They all yep. disagree on who on top the tumblr people think yes. the white guy is on top he's got to check his privilege and yep. their, their solution is that he willingly sacrifices his privilege and elevates them and puts them on you know gives them a seat at the table the yep. uh the 4chan guy believes in rigid hierarchies he thinks he's on the bottom and he thinks that he's got to lash out you know and, and yep. storm the castle and take it back yes. and uh, the incel guy puts the chat and whatever and what your dad's talking about is very like i think i think something's fascinating about the fact that your dad wrote that book and you got drawn to studying incels and your sister is writing books about patriarchy and who's winning and losing in these systems and how the person who seems like they're losing might actually be winning in a way you haven't seen the person who's winning might actually be uh losing yeah. in ways yeah it's, 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 it's a, very... a multifaceted thing my sister's book is about domestic abuse uh at the heart of it but uh the the chapters on there's one on male shame and there's one on uh, patriarchy and the patriarchal one is amazing because i've never heard the patriarchy explained this way before and it's very inclusive of the idea of men being involved in it and the way in which that the reactionary nature of men can often be related to the interactions with other men as well. And the shame chapter is great because when you take away a man's feeling of pride and you replace it with a sense of shame, which is something that is rampant through the incel community, you'll find that their reaction is often to find the most extreme way to get their power back because the sense of entitlement that men have over power is something that we're brought up with from the very start. And if we don't have power, then we can either resign to it or we can do very strange things to get it back. And that can sometimes be to drive a van into a crowd of people. All right. So that was a preview. If you like what you hear and you want to hear the rest of the episode and a hundred more episodes, then by all means, go over to patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. Take care, y'all.